When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot in Berea. The Browns are wrapping up day 10 of training camp practice. Here is our daily training camp pod and Mary Kay. I said this on yesterday's pod. I said this on our video today. All of these practices always overshadowed by something off the field. Kareem Hunt's still a story. So why don't you just kind of give us an update as far as where we are with Kareem Hunt, who was on the field, who did go through team drills today, but just sort of where things stand right now. Well, as I discovered this morning, he has, in fact, asked to be traded, and the Browns told him basically the same thing that they initially told David Njoku and Baker Mayfield when they asked to be traded, and that was, no, we're not planning on doing that. That's <laughs> that's not in the cards right now. So um, after that, uh, we, we also know that Kareem Hunt has held out of team drills for the past two days, Friday and Saturday. So we came out here today. We talked to Kevin Stefanski about that. And uh, this was before practice, and he's and I asked him, uh, you know, are you okay with a player taking himself out of team drills like that? And he said, no, you know, if a player's healthy, he has to practice. That was about the only definitive answer we right. got out of him today. Um, but um, but the message was clear that no, you've got to have your your behind out there on the practice field when we need you to be out there. So. Um, so he was, in fact, in team drills today. He returned to those team drills. He looked to be all in to me. Uh, in the uh, On the fourth rep of team drills, he caught a screen pass from Deshaun Watson and just ran as hard as he always does after the catch. Um, he did everything. After practice, even though there was a, a real feel of 98 degrees out there today, <laughs> he was running sprints with Jacoby Brissett and Josh Rosen. So that says to me that, you know, there's something there about Kareem Hunt and his dedication and his desire. Uh, we know he loves football. We just don't know if, if he's going to be willing to be here anymore with the Cleveland Browns, or maybe that's all changed. Still trying to get to the bottom of it. And, you know, there's something to be said about leverage in this situation here, mm-hmm. and it feels like the Browns have the leverage because he is under contract. It's not like he's gotten an enormous payday. He's obviously made $6 million. I mean, he's made money, but it's not like he's made Miles Garrett money, or, I mean, that's not really the, the comparison, but like Nick Chubb money, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, he's got to think about that. He, does, he probably doesn't want to get fined over and over and over again, and then you get into the season. You can't miss games, and you're still trying to get that contract after the season, regardless of how this situation plays out, unless they do an extension. Um, so he just doesn't seem to have a lot of leverage in this situation. And today, maybe 
Is it fair to say that could have been a little bit of a signal today when Kevin Stefanski says that and Kareem all of a sudden is doing team drills again? You know what? I do think so. I think that, that the team probably really truly believes that he does not have a lot of leverage. Like you said, he's going into the final year of his contract. There's a pretty good chance he won't be here after next year uh, as it is. Uh, which I do think is kind of unfortunate. It would have been nice. Kareem wants to finish his career here. He's a good redemption story. Uh, I like the way that he basically turned his life around, Mm -hmm. and he's played really well for this football team. I would like to see him be part of a Super Bowl run uh, in the event that they can get to that. So we'll see how that goes down the road. But, um, But I do think that the team believes that he doesn't have that much leverage because uh, they have those running backs coming through the pipeline now. You know, they drafted Jerome Ford in the fifth round this year. They drafted Demetric Felton last year in the sixth round. He can play some of those hybrid roles. Uh, you know, they've got Dearness Johnson, who they re-signed him this year to a one-year contract. It's an incentive-laden contract, uh, very team-friendly, but nevertheless, they have him. So, you know, it's a pretty robust running back room. We've all been talking about the surplus in it as it stands. But the leverage that I think Kareem has is the fact that he is unique. He's a very unique player. He is a number one back in his own right. On many teams, he would be the number one back right now. Uh, He also can catch the ball out of the backfield like, like crazy. I mean, he's so good at that, as you know. And in this particular offense, that's very important. You know, they love to, sorry about that, they love to. <laughs> it's, it's been a long, hot day. It, yes, it's been a long, hot day. Um, but, um, you know, they love to sort of blur the lines between the run and the pass. And he's so good at being able to do that because you don't know what he's going to do when he's on the field. We talked about this yesterday. He's also so good on the goal line. He's the battering ram on the goal line. So um, I think he does have some leverage. I th- also, when you look at the fact that Deshaun Watson could be out for all or most of the season or a lot of the season, you're going to rely on that running game. And Kareem is a big part of that. Right. I, I think the problem he has, though, is, again, he can't just start sitting out games because then he'll get fined, he'll miss game checks, and he's got to play hard. Like, he can't mail in the season, not that he even would consider that, I don't think, but, you know, he certainly couldn't if that's something he would do. Like, he's got to show This isn't like in the NBA when a Ben Simmons can kind of show up and he's got his phone in his pocket and he kind of just doesn't want to be there. This is like... You can't. The CBA doesn't really give players a lot of wiggle room to hold out anymore. Like I said, he hasn't made that like life-changing money necessarily. As far as you know, look, we'd all take six million dollars, but as far as like that Nick Chubb contract, so and that's maybe still on the table if he has a really good season. So Andrew Barry is probably looking at this like, if I trade him for as good as he is, I'm probably not getting more than a day three pick. And if I keep him, he's got to play, and he's like one of those rare guys that anytime he touches the ball, he can score a touchdown for you. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking a lot about, you know, possibly seeing Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the field together more this season, which we always wait for. It never really happens. But, you know, we've been seeing it some in practice. And, um, you know, I think those two would be dynamite together on the field at the same time. I just think there's a lot of really good things that he can do for this team. I don't think they've used him enough in the past. I didn't think they used him enough in the playoffs. I didn't think that they used him uh, enough against Kansas City the two times that they played the Chiefs. Uh, I I just don't think that, um, you know, that they have really utilized him 
uh, and gotten the full extent of the Kareem Hunt experience. I mean, remember, he led the NFL with 1,327 rushing yards as a rookie. rookie. (laughs) I mean, my goodness. And he's kind of got fresh legs. I mean, he has not been totally beat up with, with too many carries over the last you know, since 2019, he just hasn't had that much tread on the tire. So I think he's got plenty left in the tank. This is an opportunity for him. And I wrote a column about this this morning as we're taping this on Sunday, is that this is a chance for him to go out this season to make $6.25 million if he plays all the games and uh, to play for that next contract. I mean, to go out and prove to the Cleveland Browns either, hey, we cannot let this guy go or to show somebody else he can be our number one back. So it's all right there in front of him. Exactly. And uh, maybe somebody got to him and had that conversation with Maybe you read your column this morning. Maybe. It's like, oh, you know what, Mary Kay's on to something here. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting because, you know, I agree with you. Regardless, I think this is a situation where he's not on this team for much longer. But, you know, I, I also agree with you that they haven't used him effectively. I thought they fell a little bit too in love in 2020 with this idea of let's keep both guys fresh. Mm-hmm. Like, let's run Nick Chubb for two quarters. Let's run. It was, it was almost like a youth basketball team where everybody plays their two quarters or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like they did that a little too much. We saw them together in the backfield a little bit last year. I think it was against Arizona, but that's the game when Kareem got hurt early in the game. Um, I think there's plans for more multi-back sets this year. That's what it looks like on the practice field going back to the spring. But they haven't really tapped into, I think, fully what Kareem Hunt can give them. And I think about that Baltimore Monday night game. You know, of all the things that stand out to me in that game, it's Kareem Hunt made two absolutely enormous plays. And Kansas City scores a touchdown in the playoffs. And um, did he have a touchdown against Pittsburgh, I think, in the playoff game. I can't in the remember. wild card game? Yeah. You know what, if you remember, and I'm going to refresh your memory here, Dan, he played angry in that game yeah. to, to get to Kansas City. He did City. get in the end zone. He had two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and he dragged defenders right. across the <laughs> goal line. And he had 48 yards on not all that many opportunities. But afterwards, remember, Baker Mayfield said he ran angry to try to get to Kansas City his former team. Yeah. I mean, he was like a you know a bull in a china shop in that game, and that's the thing that I that's one of the things that I think that Kareem Hunt brings is that unbelievable passion. And there are not uh, all that many many guys with with that much uh, t- you know palpable passion that you can just say, oh my god. I mean, Jarvis Landry was that guy, right? right. Where you know he's sort of like the inspirational leader on the field on on game day firing guys up he brings that to the table and he really wants to win a Super Bowl for his hometown team and I think that there's value in that and he's a special talent Mm -hmm. I mean there's love Dearness Johnson he's not Kareem Hunt Jerome Ford has been really good in camp he's not Kareem Hunt right like Kareem Hunt is different and the reality is had Kareem Hunt not gotten into trouble, not had to have been cut by Kansas City, mm-hmm. and ended up as the number two back here to sort of revive his career, we'd be talking about him like we do Nick Chubb mm-hmm. and like we do Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry, and he'd be like that elite all-around back, and he probably would already have a contract worth $10, $12, 14000000 million per year. You are absolutely right about that, and I was thinking about that this morning when I was writing my column about the costs of that incident that Kareem Hunt had uh, where he had the altercation with the woman. And he, you know, he has paid a heavy price for that uh, in, in terms of 
suspension in terms of he's done a lot of community service since then. Like I said, he's turned his life around, but that cost him millions and millions and millions yeah. of dollars. It cost him a trip to the Super Bowl with the Chiefs, which really, really crushed him. Um, I mean, he, he loves this game. He really does truly love this game, and you're right about that. He prob- he was on his way to another his second straight 1,000-yard season in Kansas City when they cut him. Chances are he would have had five or six of those. Who knows, right? And, and he was an all-around back, too. I mean, if you go and look at his numbers, it's kind of jarring how, like, that all-around, the, the catch-up. Obviously, we know it in Cleveland. We see it all the time. But just when he was that featured back, he was that all-around back. And you imagine what that would have looked like with Patrick Mahomes and in that offense and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, and you're just thinking, well, if Christian McCaffrey got this, Kareem Hunt might have gotten that much or more. I mean, he was he was that good in Kansas City, and I think sometimes people might forget that. Yes, you're so absolutely right about that. He would be a top five paid running back right now because that's when you get the money is when you are the yeah. dual threat back, when you can also catch the ball out of the backfield. And I would argue that he catches it out of the backfield as well as any back in the NFL. Dan, what say you? Probably. I mean, he's at least... I know this sounds crazy to say, but he he would be in that discussion with McCaffrey and Kamara and, and all yes. those backs that do catch the ball really well out of the backfield. Yes, absolutely. And I you know so I can kind of see from his vantage point, um, you know why he feels the way that he does right now. He's always had to be in Nick Chubb's shadow, but he's always handled that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he never really had the opportunity to go out there and go gangbusters and show what he can do here so that he can make that money. Even if he plays for the Cleveland Browns this year, he's still going to be the number two to Nick Chubb. So he's really not going to be able to go out and show some other team that he deserves $12 million a year. Right. But if you watch the tape, and again, he, you know, he might be at that point where he's not going to get the huge contract. But if you watch the tape, you will see that he is a viable number one back and a, a dual threat running back that can go out there and, and help you get to the Super Bowl. Okay, so this has been very much from Kareem Hunt's side. Just kind of going back to that Browns side, though, it's hard for me to argue that they aren't handling this correctly so far. And this is sort of, you know, Andrew Barry does not like to be put in boxes. Mm-hmm. And he, he would hate it if we said this is sort of the Andrew Barry book, but this is kind of the book. I mean, you mentioned it with Njoku, Baker Mayfield, even in that crazy situation. I mean, I feel like if they didn't just have to get Baker out of here, he might still be on the team. He might still be sitting around waiting for that that second or third round pick if somebody got hurt. So, I mean, this is sort of the Andrew Barry playbook. You want traded, great. I don't think I can get what I want for you, and I want you on the football field, so tough luck. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he has established himself as very tough but also fair, right? I mean, and he is not going to let a player dictate necessarily the outcome of where he wants to be when he's under contract with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they gave Kareem Hunt a two-year extension in 2020 worth up to $13.25 million. He's in the second year of that, and that's a pretty good contract for a player that nobody else wanted. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Like I said, that incident impacted him in such a negative way that some people don't want to have anything to do with him. The Cleveland Browns gave him that chance, and then they paid him, and they paid him well. 
It came with a signing bonus of like $5.5 million. So they made Kareem Hunt a pretty rich man, and here he is playing in his hometown. So I, I, I mean, I think from their standpoint, they've stepped up to the plate, and they've done what they needed to do. Now, he's in the last year of his contract. It's up to him to go out and to prove what he deserves next. And so, yeah, I don't fault the Browns for how they're handling things. I really don't fault Kareem for feeling the way that he feels. Again, players have feelings. Players are human. Players are passionate. And he is displaying some of that right now. Some of those reasons that I just mentioned are what makes him such a good football player. You know, if you take all that passion out of somebody, you know, then maybe they're not able to run through a wall for you. So, you know, this is, this is a kind of, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal that Kareem Hunt and the Cleveland Browns are working through this issue right now. Yeah, oh, no, I think it's, I, I think he's one of the most significant players on the team. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, just for that reason alone, it's, it's a really big deal, and it's really important how this plays out. And if the Browns trade him, it's important what they get back for him. If they come to an extension, it's important, you know, what that number is. If they just sort of play out the year, that's important too. Um, and if Deshaun Watson is suspended for even 12 games, you've got to have as many offensive weapons as you can at your disposal, especially if you do just have to be a team that runs the ball a lot um, in those 12 games, that, or you know, if he's suspended for the year, whatever it could be. And it seems like that suspension is going to be longer than six games based on everything we know about the uh, Peter C. Harvey and his role with the NFL. So you got to have Kareem Hunt. you got to have all hands on deck. And, you know, the other thing I wanted when you were talking about that that I want to point out that's interesting is, you're right, no, nobody wanted Kareem. And he's only here, really, because John Dorsey was here. Mm-hmm. But it was Andrew Barry that ultimately gave him the extension. So I, I think that's an interesting sort of path that he took. So it was Dorsey who believed him in, in him because Dorsey picked him. Mm-hmm. But Andrew Barry didn't, like, run away from him. He said... He looked at the situation, he looked at how Kareem had carried himself, and he said, yeah, we want to keep you here. Yeah, I do think that was very significant. Like you said, he's not just working off a John Dorsey contract, which we all know how that goes, right? (laughs) I mean, that doesn't always work out uh, the way that uh, a player wants it to. But no, this was was Andrew Barry rewarding him for, again, uh, being a good citizen off the field and doing all the right things. Um, So, yeah, it's... Who knows where this is going to go, but for the sake of Kareem and for the sake of the Browns, uh, hopefully they can figure something out that makes everybody happy. I don't know if the Browns are willing to do anything else with the contract. You know, there are certain things that you can do. Most, a lot, he's got a $200,000 per game bonus this year. Maybe you guarantee some of those, or maybe you guarantee the last three of those or something. You know, I mean, like, maybe there's something that you can yeah. do uh, to smooth over the rough edges of this a little bit, or maybe maybe just tell them to go out there and play some damn football. I, you know, I don't yeah. know. But there's one other thing I wanted to bring up real quick that we didn't mention. When we're talking about Andrew Barry and denying trade requests of David Njoku and Kareem Hunt and Baker Mayfield, he did let one guy out of town. Yes, he did. He did let one guy out of town, and we can't forget uh, that he did allow Odell Beckham Jr. to basically force his way out of town. But there were extenuating circumstances with that one in that it was the law of diminishing returns to keep him around because it was so detrimental to Baker Mayfield. I mean, it just was an untenable situation between those two. And therefore, uh, at that time, 
they still thought he could be their franchise quarterback or at least their quarterback of the immediate future. Yeah. And so they picked the side of their quarterback. Yeah, that's um, that was a, a toxic situation, and they had to make that move quickly. And I even think with Baker, they probably settled a little bit. I, they probably wanted a little more for a starting quarterback than what they got, and they probably paid a little more than they wanted to pay in that deal. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, if it weren't such a weird situation, maybe Baker would still be a Cleveland Brown until they could find some package they really liked or something, you know. So I, I even think in that situation, it's, you know, he ultimately gave in on it, but that was only because he kind of had to. So when he's had his back against the wall, he tends to read these situations correctly. Right, and that was another situation where they were taking into account the feelings of their current quarterback. Right. They couldn't keep Baker Mayfield around because of the impact that it would have ultimately on Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has way too much going on right now to have Baker Mayfield hanging around, to have some loyalties of players to Baker Mayfield. I mean, it was just like that couldn't happen. So it wasn't a situation of like, oh, let's do Baker a favor and let him go get started somewhere. No, that was let's make sure that we're taking one big distraction off of the team's plate and Deshaun Watson's plate. Right, and Baker wasn't going to play. Right. Right, like there was no scenario where Baker was, like you'd have to excuse him from camp or fine him, and it just would have been messy. And and they're clearly more invested in making sure Kareem Hunt is on the field for them and and having him be a part of the team. Um, Let's take a really quick break, and then quickly let's talk a little bit about what we saw on the practice field. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, we don't need to spend a ton of time on this, Mary Kay, because Kareem is really still the story today. Um, Actually, let's touch on this quickly, too. Just Deshaun Watson, when people are listening to this, whether it's Sunday night or Monday morning, whenever they have this podcast on, um, we're kind of in a spot where this ruling could come down at any time, right? Yeah, I mean, that that really is true. It has to be processed in an expedited fashion. Um, And, you know, what does that really mean? I don't know. I don't know how long it will take Peter C. Harvey... um, We've got, we always have that middle initial, Sue L. Robinson. <laughs> now we've got Peter C. Harvey. Um, so we don't know how long it will take Peter Harvey to get up to speed on the facts of the case, right? Right. I mean, he's got to do some catching up. So I'm sure he's burning the midnight oil right now, uh, trying to pour over documents and make sure that, that he can make a very sound decision. He's got to educate himself on all of this stuff first. So that's probably going to take a little while. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, when they say it needs to be done in expedited fashion, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it does happen sometime next week. It could possibly ha- come down sometime next week. But once again, does that mean that it's over? No. <laughs> the answer is a resounding no, because depending on what Peter Harvey does, the NFL PA is poised to sue. The only, probably the only way they wouldn't is if he reduces the suspension. Yeah. And, I mean, crazy as that sounds, that's happened before. But, I mean, the NFL is the one that's, you know, the NFL is the one that's appealing, and they're trying to get it increased. Right. They're seeking a year. So it's not like the NFLPA is the one that appealed, and they're seeking to have it reduced. So um, I wonder if the NFLPA regrets not appealing now. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, we talked about this. It it almost felt like they were just willing to 
to concede, okay, if it's four games or six games or whatever, we'll live with that. Like, they got that sense that's what it was going to be. And so they wanted to make sure the NFL didn't do this. They wanted to get the NFL to say, all right, it's your move. We said we wouldn't appeal. Are you guys going to do the same thing? Yep. But the reality is, and we talked about this, I don't remember which pot it was, if the suspension, if Sue Robinson would have come down with 14 games, the NFLPA probably would have appealed. <laughs> I don't oh, think. Yeah. And that statement probably wouldn't have come out if they had a sense that it was going to be closer to that year. They, they also would have appealed this decision the other direction. So Yes, um, absolutely. I'm sure there's a part of them that wishes... I don't know. I don't know if they would have appealed a six-gamer. Uh, Maybe it, they would have, but I, I, they yeah. seemed pretty resigned yes. to that outcome. And the other thing here is, and it doesn't seem like there are a lot of warm and fuzzy talks going on between the two sides, but they can still settle. Yeah. I mean, they can still put their heads together and settle. So unless the NFL is pretty confident that Peter Harvey is going to come back with the indefinite suspension for a minimum of a year that the NFL is seeking, I think it behooves them to go back to the NFLPA and to the two sides to try to work through it and to see if there's something that they can come up with. I mean, it seems to me there should be. Yeah, see if they, or see if they can get 10 games or right. you know, whatever it is. Um, I th- there's probably some threshold where they just wouldn't go through the, the hassle of suing. <laughs> I know that sounds... Right. Like, let's say he came back and said eight games... I guess they could still take it to court, but even that's kind of like, okay, that you still get to play more than half the season. The whole salary structure is set up that you're not going to be punished that much. Maybe right. you do just kind of take your medicine in that case, but you start getting to 10 or more, then we're, we're going to be in this for a little while. Yeah, eight, eight games, you know, perhaps they could live with that. And there might be some on Deshaun's side that wouldn't be able to live right. with that, but I would think that enough people in his camp uh, would be okay with that that maybe that doesn't prompt a lawsuit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I actually think 10 games and a couple of million bucks in the fine would get it done. I, you know, the Browns wouldn't like that, of course. Right. And Deshaun's side wouldn't necessarily like that either. But it's a heck of a lot better than the risk of the full season. Yeah, and, well, and then, you know, you mentioned the contract tolls. Mm-hmm. So then next year, you're back to that low base salary. And right. I mean, you obviously want to get that out of the way, right? He right. wants to start getting those big game checks. Right. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I do think there comes a point where you just kind of say, if it's not increased by that much, even if you hate it, you just kind of say, you know what? Let's just put this in the rearview mirror. It's over. We know exactly what it's going to be. Just, you know take the suspension and we'll be out there for even if it's 10 games we'll be out there for seven games this season and then let's go um that yeah I think there comes a point where they have to at least consider that yeah I you know I I would think so and um and we know that the the previous two suits in federal court um ultimately uh these suspensions were upheld and Ezekiel Elliott and Tom Brady both ended up having to serve their suspensions, even though uh, the, the initial lawsuits went in their favor. Um, by the time they wound through the courts, the NFL won. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, obviously not a legal expert, but I, I think it's hard for the courts to, over, to look at a mutually agreed upon CBA right. and say we're not going to adhere to this. Yeah. Um, but anyway... 
on the practice field, again, what are we, 25 minutes into this, and we haven't talked about what happened on the practice field yet. Did anything stand out to you today? Um, well, yeah, some things did stand out to me today, uh, obviously, in addition to Kareem Hunt getting back into those team drills, um, was the fact that they did their first two-minute drills. Here yep. we are on day 10 of camp, and they did their first two-minute drills. Jacoby Brissett went first against the second-team defense. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. The first. Ja- yes, Jacoby Brissett and the second-team offense went first, and they went against the second-team defense. First-team defense. First team defense. First team. Sorry Jacoby about that. Jacoby Brissett, second team, went against first yes, team defense. Yes, sorry about that. Sorry, confusing. I'm confusing you. <laughs> and then Deshaun Watson went after that, and he went against the second team defense. So sometimes they do that, and I don't like it. I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it because, you know, I mean, first team, iron needs to sharpen iron is where I'm going with this. Yes. You need I the agree. first team offense to go against the first team defense and they didn't even score a touchdown (laughs) both teams uh ended up with field goals by Cade York a 33 and a 35 so you know regardless of how they did it they didn't even end up uh scoring a touchdown so um that was that but um yeah and then Cade York finished off and got the guys out of team meetings afterwards by making a, I think, 45-yard field goal, although there was a little bit of controversy (laughs) in the media room about whether or not he actually made it. But he was mobbed. He was carried on the shoulders (laughs) of all of his teammates. It was too late. It was too late to overrule it. Yeah, I mean, after that scene, definitely. So anyway, so that was it. Yeah, yeah, you know, the thing about Kevin's practices, if I could describe them, I I was actually talking to Lance Reisland about this, uh, one of these practices. These aren't, like, super competitive, like, these aren't the Freddie Kitchens padded for two-and-a-half-hour practices. You know, Hugh Jackson's practices were always really competitive. Mike Pettens were. But they do get stuff done. Like, they're really efficient. They move through their schedule and what they're going to do each day. And he really does focus on a lot of installation, a lot of walkthrough. Um, like, they before they actually did those two-minute drills, they did, like, a two-minute walkthrough, sort of, where... At times, the quarterback didn't even throw the ball. There are, there's a purpose to everything they do, um, even if it's not the super hyper-competitive. I don't think I've ever seen him have his guys tackle to the ground in practice. Um, but you know what? He gets them ready to play. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, we saw it last year. They were ready to go when they got to Kansas City. So um, if, if I had to describe Kevin's practices in the three years that we've gotten to see them, it's they are efficient. There seems to be a purpose with everything, and if you're coming here expecting that traditional pad-popping, super competitive practice, that's not really what you're going to get. No, and when you mentioned like the walkthroughs, they are so very big on, on walkthroughs because yeah. I think they focus like so much on the mental side of the game that after the first team period, they took their helmets off. Right. They were, they were doing like 11 on 11, but it was no helmets. Yeah. And, and there was some physicality to it. It wasn't like dangerous, but I was a little surprised. Yeah. 11 on 11s with no helmets. But again, no contact, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And walk through pace. Linemen would kind of yeah. collide real lightly. But, but that's unusual to, to see something like that. Now, maybe it was because it was a feel of 98 degrees today <laughs> and he wanted those guys out of those yeah. helmets. I don't know. But, um, but, yeah, he does a lot of that kind of thing. And when they actually go down to Jacksonville on Thursday, they're going to do a walkthrough in Jacksonville on Thursday 
they're leaving here on Wednesday after practice, and they will do a walkthrough Thursday. Uh, and he's just really big on those. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of mental work mm-hmm. and a lot of mental preparation. And I think a lot of what they a lot of what they try and get done in this training camp happens in these meeting rooms. And I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, these guys are here for hours and hours and hours a day yeah. outside of those two hours of practice. So uh, that seems to be the focus with this coaching staff. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Browns only practice once this week that we will be able to see. That is on Tuesday. Uh, we'll, of course, have our normal post-practice pod after that. But we'll have some more normal pods for you coming up this week. We'll uh, we'll try and do a Hey MK uh, tomorrow, unless, of course, there's some sort of breaking news in the Deshaun Watson situation. So just make sure you're subscribed. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And that'll do it. For Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody.